0: And here's your
1: host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper, and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. Um, i'm excited about the show today we're going to talk about running wild for rhinos with sharon jessup um and um sharon's in in south africa it's sweltering over there at the moment and i'm sitting here in england and it's minus seven degrees outside so i'm, I'm wrapped up uh, very warm at the moment so uh, yeah interesting we feel like we're poles apart right now uh, in uh, distance and in temperature um i'd like to um yeah, I'd like to say a big thank you to my guest last week. We had um, the incredible Mandy Hickson on the show. She was the second woman to fly tornadoes, um, a, a fighter pilot. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a really interesting show hearing about her her training and how she kind of broke the mold being being female because um, initially females couldn't actually fly when she started um, um, jets, fast jets. Uh, and she um ended up um flying 50 sorties over iraq um so really interesting interesting to her experiences and the stories and uh, the decision making processes and uh, of um yeah of, of a, a world that is uh, very dif- different from uh, many of ours um so uh, this week um we're going to be talking to, about running wild for rhinos and I'm very excited to say about this this show today and i just want you to think while you're listening to this show is is you know in your work in your in your business in your life you know how are you stepping up and uh you know in 2023 and beyond is this is something that you believe really passionately about something that is just so important you know something that you keep getting a little idea that keeps coming into your mind and you're thinking maybe am i brave enough to do it am i brave enough to help and uh, sharon is somebody who has absolutely explored the limits and she has um really, really pursued something that she completely and utterly believes in. So this is to say it's going to be a, a very insightful show today. Now, um, Sharon Jessup has not only completed the most consecutive half marathons for female in 102, she's also completed four extreme running expeditions since 2017. She's got and she's got a massive, passionate um desire to help uh, rhinos. So we're going to talk about that. And, and and I'm excited today in that Sharon has been running since September. She's run uh, 1,800 kilometers. She's run um, four times the height of Everest since she started her, her excursion in September to actually, and, and in the show notes here, in the description, it says 24 rhino-bearing game reserves in South Africa. It's actually now 30. Uh, and she's only five days away from completing this mammoth um, e- um, expedition. Uh, she's a rhino conservationist, an adventurer, an expeditioner, a conservation community activist. Uh, she's had her own TV show um, in South Africa. She's a tourism advocate and a storyteller. Um, so, um, and obviously an endurance athlete and a, and a world record holder. Sharon, is there anything you haven't achieved?
2: <laughs> Hi, Chris. Yes, Hi. <laughs> plenty.
1: We <laughs> haven't yeah, I guess you haven't flown a fast jet because I haven't either.
2: Absolutely. I was listening to this and I'm thinking, oh my goodness. You know, I kind of like terra firma underneath my feet. So yes, I think I'll be sticking to training, but I do admire people that do crazy things like that. Wow.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, listen to it. The training is, was just something else. And uh uh, and uh, having a having a, a a bomb on your tail, uh, a missile on your tail, and having to send out flares and twist and turn and dodge it and, whew, um, oh my yeah.
2: goodness,
1: fascinating! I can There was one instance where she hit; she had a, a head-on collision happening, and she had to go from 150 feet uh, meters, sorry, to 25,000 feet in a and pretty much an incident in the instance.
2: I mean. oh my gosh no. <laughs> no i'll definitely stick to the running thank you
1: <laughs> we'll keep our feet on the ground
2: <laughs> definitely much safer
1: <laughs> so sharon um tell us about you know your life growing up in south africa and you know what's inspired you to do what you do today and um, you know what just tell us about that history your, your background and how did it lead to this
2: you know, it literally started in a small little town called Fort Beaufort in the Eastern Cape, uh, where I was raised. And um, I was that kid that basically started running at the age of five when I started school, fell in love with it. And now, many, 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 many years later, I'm still running, still loving it. Although sometimes I do wonder, why? Why do I do this? But those <laughs> moments are short-lived, okay and also growing up in a small town, and we were surrounded by mountains. So uh, the Katberg Mountains to be exact. So that's the name of the mountain range. And um, when we went down the street, sort of down the hill um, from our house where we stayed as kids growing up, we got down to this beautiful river with this um, suspension bridge over the river. And we would go to the river and catch and t- catch tadpoles play there, splash around in the river. And it was just absolutely amazing. And there's also quite a few game farms in that area, game reserves. So we basically grew up in the bush because it's a small town. And um, with my family, every single available weekend, holiday, we would go and camp. So again, we would be in the bush And we would literally run wild, you know, you would be out with sunrise, you would go run around barefoot everywhere and you would come back at sunset. Or when you have too many hunger pangs, you know, you basically go back to the caravan or the tent, get some food (laughs) and off we went again. So pretty much a very sort of wholesome, outdoorsy upbringing, you know. And during athletics at school, first track and field, um, I started off as a sprinter. My very first race I ever ran at the age of five, almost six, was a 50-meter dash. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, progressed to middle distances um, on the track, then to cross-country running. Then after school, um, I started road running, did that for many years, uh, got into endurance running which i love you know i always maintain i would be better suited to be a bodybuilder than a runner because i'm quite muscle bound i'm not as thin i'm not a skinny person i'm a heavy runner but when it comes to the endurance stuff it just seems to happen for me mm. so I really just fell in love with that and um about 17 18 years ago discovered trail running because that's when it started really exploding in south africa and, um, again, in the bush, in the mountains, which is my happy place. I really just love, you know, if, if, if people could chuck me in the bush and just leave me there, I, I could happily live there for the rest of my life. Okay. I really just love the African bush. It is yeah. something so special about it. So, um, you know, you literally feel the heartbeat of Africa when you're in yeah. the bush and when you on foot in the bush it really just ignites something in you. It's something so special. You have to experience it as not something you can explain to people. And of course, then progress to 100 milers and long stage races. I've done a couple of, couple of comrades marathons. I've done a couple of two oceans marathons. I've done an Ironman
1: <laughs> again.
2: That didn't go down too well. I suck at swimming. So I decided to rather stick to the running bit. But, yeah, that's basically the whole history of of running. But um, I think that a lot of us in South Africa, we're very privileged in the sense that we do have this amazing bush, Mm. the amazing wild spaces and green places where we can go and do these things, run, hike, mountain bike. You know, obviously not everybody goes through game reserves, um, big five game reserves, but um, there's a lot of, bush and a lot of natural bush where you can go and do these things. So it's just an amazing thing.
1: Amazing. And and one thing I'll just you got me thinking about is uh is safety though. I mean I I I have been in the bush in Africa and I've slept under the stars and uh it is a remarkable place. But but there are you know there are wild animals there. We 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 the first um visit I I did to uh well, a visit to South Africa, I think within five minutes we'd had a a, a puff adder just went to right across the, almost the toes of my wife uh, as we were just oh. walking in Plettenberg Bay Area um uh, you know there's and then obviously the other side there is um there is some risks around um personal safety with with uh you know some of the incidents that happen in, in South Africa as we probably know about it's um you know how, how do you feel about that do you do you feel safe and absolutely
2: <laughs> absolutely you know i was having a discussion with somebody just literally 2 days ago where we're very good as people per se to highlight the bad you know mm-hmm. but the one thing with and and this has been with all my running expeditions so far and with every time i've i've run in the bush and and we spend a lot of time in the bush we're very privileged in port elizabeth where i'm from where we have this green lung, the Barkins Valley, that runs through the middle of the city. So you could literally escape into the bush in the middle of a city, which no. is fantastic. Mm. You know, So we often sneak away and go and run there. Um, it's just a fantastic thing. But the one thing that stands out for me with all my running expeditions so far is how safe and welcome I felt mm. and still feel. You know, because people would literally stop with my uh, support crew, my very tiny little support crew, and um, say, oh, you know, you really shouldn't be stopping here. You shouldn't be running here because it's not a safe area. And the very next minute, somebody would come past me and a random stranger, and I, I will get this high five and these big smiles. I've walked with people up mountains, chatting to them about their daily life. So... I think when you drill down to ground level and you are not entering that zone with any negative vibes around you, I think you get a lot of positivity back as well. So I can honestly say, I mean, we've ended up in a ditch in the middle of nowhere and three black gentlemen came and dug us out. (laughs) You know, literally came down this massive hill with a wheelbarrow and some spades And literally filled the hole that our car was in so that we could reverse out, you know. So, and we've had many incidents like that. I had a a youngster also in a township run with me in his crocs for 10 kilometers.
1: Oh bless him.
2: (laughs) You know, so I mean the stories I can tell you, and the South African people are amazing, Mm. you know. So I think obviously with political agendas and also with news bad news sells and i'm on a massive mission to spread good news and to be that tourism ambassador and to be that ambassador for my country and for my people you know because at the end of the day i think if you look at the normal people normal people like you and me in the streets in townships in small towns in cities we all just want to be happy we yeah. all just want to belong. We all just want to get along. And I think the more people that can almost connect at that ground level, you know, I think it will be the world will be such a, a, a better place. And I always greet. I make sure that I greet first. You know, I smile and I say, hello, how are you? And when they ask, okay, then this avalanche of, yo, I'm hot, I'm tired, the hills are really bad, comes out of my mouth, you know, and immediately there's a smile, the ice is broken, and we can have a conversation. And I've had many amazing conversations with many amazing people. Um, It's just been amazing. And I've really, I can honestly say that not at one moment, I felt threatened by a person on the road in this now just over, 1800 kilometer journey on foot through South Africa and I've crossed three provinces so it's been amazing
1: amazing I love that I love that um that paradigm as well because I'm with you I think you know most people just want to have a roof over their head uh they want to have uh, friends get on well with their neighbors you know some food to eat uh etc and and uh get on with people and it's um it's just other agendas that shake the bottle and shake us up including the media so I'm, um, at times some and with you and you were you were a storyteller and you had you had a tv career how, how did yeah. that come about what were you what were you doing you just got four minutes till break i've just realized
2: awesome so i'll be quick if i can <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of almost happened sort of by accident i um had a fitness boot camp that i ran for 13 years and a fitness training studio you know, I always maintained for my sins in a previous life. I have a fitness training diploma and I have a law degree. And I was bouncing ideas around with somebody at the time and about expanding the, the business and really getting into people's minds about wellness, but not just wellness from a physical perspective, also emotional, social, um, financial wellness, you know, because if you look at your wellness wheel, it all, all the spokes have to be in place. Otherwise, you're kind of going to limp along in your life. You can't have physical wellness without emotion, uh, emotional well-being, and you can't be emotionally well if your finances are out of whack, you know, and, and you don't know where your next meal is coming from. So I was bouncing ideas around, and this guy said to me, why don't you go to this fast food chain? And I'm not going to mention the name because it's a very well-known fast food chain worldwide and <laughs> ask them for a sponsorship and then we can expand this so I said to him Mm-mm, that doesn't go well with Sharon and he said that's it we're going to do a wellness program on telly we're going to call it go well with Sharon and that's how it happened
1: <laughs> fantastic fantastic and, and and was that that was aired in South Africa was yes, it yes
2: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it started off as health and wellness, but progressed to tourism, travel, adventure, but with a very strong conservation and community conscience, mm. you know, and um, obviously I love telling people's stories. I love hearing their stories. So it literally progressed to that, telling other people's stories and elevating specifically the Eastern Cape area um, from a tourism perspective.
1: Yeah. Brilliant! I can imagine you being um, being amazing on TV, um, and um, just we've just got a couple of minutes left. But I just want to link in now with why rhinos. Before we go into the next segment,
2: very plain and simple. You know, I've been up close and personal with rhinos. I watched a documentary called Strip, which means it's an Afrikaans word for poach. And that just that was the point where I literally the fire inside me was ignited. Okay, it was yeah. We'll probably tell get more into the story after the break. But just learning how critically endangered our rhinos is at this point in time, if we do not take drastic, decisive ac- action within five years, five short years there will be no rhinos left in the wild and that scares the GP creepies out of me to think that of a world with no wild rhinos you know maybe just in the Cincinnati Zoo one or two left there and that cannot happen in my lifetime you know it cannot be our legacy
1: yeah wow well we're going to go to commercial break now and after after the break we'll 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 go into your your current adventure I might just stop initially and just talk about your world record because that's some um, going to be fascinating too and then um love to hear about this this adventure that you've been on and this journey for for rhinos and and you know what you've learned in the ups and uh and there's been a few challenging moments as well on this journey to talk about so uh, i'm sure we'll we'll cover some of those in the second segment as well but uh, yes. we do join us after the break um it's going to get um uh, it's going to get interesting it's going to get down and dirty sometimes as well literally with, <laughs> with you falling in the mud and uh, the like so we'll be back again with you all in just a couple of minutes
2: We hear it and read about it every day in the news
0: it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you are tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. now back to chris cooper
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper, I'm with Sharon Jessup, and we're talking about running wild for rhinos, and it's going to get wild a bit later on, I can tell you when we talk about some of these uh, stories from this latest adventure. Uh, But before we do that, um, you're a Guinness World Record holder for running an incredible number, was it uh, it 102 or something, consecutive half marathon, is that correct? uh why
2: that's correct yes (laughs) i'm so glad you asked that question (laughs) so back in 2020 when we all know what happened in the year that shall not be named Mm. so basically i was going to do the expedition that i'm currently on back in 2020 And then the year just started off really weird, and it got weirder. And in South Africa, as with many other countries, we were kind of in and out of the different lockdown levels. And I remember at one point, we could exercise for three hours per day, between the hours of six in the morning and nine in the morning. So, you know, at first I got quite angry because, you know, me being a bush baby, being an outdoors person... I do not take well to being cooped up inside and told, you will stay at home. <laughs> and also, of course, there's the rebel in me that just don't want to follow those rules because, you know, we need vitamin D, we need sunshine, we need exercise, we need those endorphins to build up our immune system. Anyway, long story short, Google became my best friend. I started Googling um, Guinness World Records and realized that I can do a half marathon in less than three hours. I can't do more than that. Mm. And at that time, the current record at that point was, I think, 50 half marathons consecutive. So you have to run one every single day. So I thought, fine, I'll do 75. And then I got an email from the Guinness World Record people, and they said, okay, so the new record is now 75. So I thought, fine, I'll do 86. (laughs) And then... I got a phone call from a friend and she said to me, have you heard about the lady in Durban that is doing, so Durban, South Africa, KZN, um, that's doing 100 half marathons? And I'm, okay, so I guess I'll do 101. (laughs) So I've set the, the record, the official record at 101 consecutive half marathons. And then did that also for rhino conservation, for awareness, for education, for raising funds. I raised 46,000 rand during lockdown for rhino conservation. But I wanted to add something to that because so many of my friends, my acquaintances lost their jobs, lost their businesses because of the extended lockdowns. And with the businesses that remained, So every day we would run from a specific business and invite people to come there. Let's say it is a coffee shop. So we would say today's special is a piece of cake and a cup of coffee for X amount. Come and join us. Come have some fun, you know, stick around, watch us run loops around this business. And that way to try and promote um, foot traffic to these small and medium enterprises. And then on New Year, so so I finished this excursion on the 31st of December, 2020. And I had the SABC TV there. They did live crossings, start and finish, interviewed me. Uh, We were back in some hectic lockdown level. So we were allowed 50 people at an outdoor event. I had about 250 people in my little street back in Port Elizabeth. And then I thought, you know what? I need to go out on the 1st of January 2021 and prove to myself that when there's no cameras, no flashing lights, nobody to take photos, nobody to congratulate me, that I can do that one more half marathon. So I did. <laughs> <laughs> and that is why it was 102. Wow. You know, big stickler for discipline, for taking accountability or taking responsibility and holding yourself accountable to your goals and whatever your dreams are in life so that is why i needed to go out and do just one more with tired legs with you know just uh, so on new year's day when everybody was sleeping in and you know after partying on (laughs) the 31st we were out there just three of us doing yet another half marathon
1: amazing amazing there's something where when you do you do a lot of running and get to a point where your legs seem to just want to run even when you're just like sitting around at home i don't know <laughs> i don't know if that kind of uh influenced you too that your legs just still still seem to want to go
0: <laughs>
2: absolutely <laughs> you know and, and also there, there's you know people talk about a runner's there's no other sport and i've tried quite a few other sports um you know i've dabbled in cycling tri- triathlons mm-hmm. um trying to play a bit of tennis which i suck at because you know my hand eye coordination is not the greatest so but but there's very few things in life that give you that same endorphin rush that runners high it is absolutely amazing and and for me being quite a um a busy uh, person, you know, I don't want to do labels, but I'm pretty ADHD. So when I run, I find that my my focus is better. So my running life is in order. My life is in order. My business life is in order. My everything is in order, you know, so I need that outlet to spend all that, that energy that can sometimes bounce around like balls in a pinball machine and, and just to get them all moving in the same direction you know so that really really helps nice. it helps me to focus to stay focused to focus on things and yeah once that that energy is released then I can work then I can knuckle down and I can work for the rest of the day
1: yeah you have a you have incredible energy um it's it's, it's very infectious and and, and um so um, we're going to talk about this this sort of journey that you've um, you've been on this time, and um, but I we, we also probably just probably also have a little bit of background around uh, when uh, why the rhino population is is diminishing so fast. Maybe you could just share just for a couple of minutes that as a you know as to help people understand why these rhinos really are just so important important to you. Obviously, you said in five years they'll be gone, apart from in zoos, but there's reasons for it, isn't it?
2: Yes, yes. So specifically, okay, so let me just paint this picture. Many years ago, the whole of Africa was pretty much covered with rhinos, both black and white rhinos. Okay, The, the, the two main sort of species. But obviously, due to hunting, they diminished. And since about 2012, the poaching of rhino horn really escalated. Now if you think about the, these massive animals that are often between 1.5 and about 2.2 tons they have absolutely no natural enemies in the wild you you never going to see a lion hunt a rhino you know yes, no. and when when mommy's alive and 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 healthy no, no lion will come near her calf as well. You know, they make the most awesome, beautiful, squeaky sounds unless they're protecting their babies or there's a territorial fight. Then those rhinos roar like lions. OK, so they have no natural predators. But because of the myths around the properties of rhino horn, which is just keratin, it's its hair, it's, it's fingernails. Yeah. Same stuff. But because of the myths around that, obviously rhinos are being killed for their horns. Literally, they're being murdered so that people can harvest their horns, sell them on the black market and get literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like right now, rhino horn is probably one of the most expensive commodities on the black market, Mm. which is ridiculous. Mm. Coupled with that, we have obviously a lot of habitat loss because of you know human spaces expanding. So there's a big drive as well in the conservation circles in South Africa specifically to expand green spaces because yep. to have more rhinos, we need more space. Yep. Those rhinos will not reproduce unless they're happy in their habitat. Now grown, fully grown dominant rhino bull, their habitat or their 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 space okay can be anything between 30 and 50 square kilometers which is a huge space
1: right
2: you know and it's yeah. it's so if they're not happy in their space they just simply don't reproduce and mm. because they have no natural predators they also have a very very long gestation period so that could be between 15 and 18 months then the little calf stays with mommy and suckles for up to two years. So we only have a new rhino calf every two to four years. So the, the, the you know, it's a very complex situation. So firstly, mm-hmm. they're being poached. Secondly, we are encroaching on their habitats. Yeah. And thirdly, very, very slow reproduction. And as I said, if they're not happy, they, they just simply stop reproducing. Yeah. So yeah. it's a bit of a triple whammy. But um yeah. So the the currently the numbers of rhinos are declining through poaching much, much, much faster than they can actually reproduce,
1: right. which is
2: a really, really bad situation to be in.
1: I guess the challenge if you've got more green more you're expanding and developing more green space, it's great, but it's more green space that's got to be patrolled to avoid people killing them too.
2: Absolutely. And um, I don't know if you are aware and if the listeners are aware that protection of rhinos is extremely excruciatingly expensive. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's start with the fencing around your game reserve. Not only is it reinforced fences to keep the animals inside, but they also electrify to keep poachers outside. Okay. Those fences have to be patrolled on a daily basis, mm. which takes manpower, vehicles, fuel, okay? If there's any breaches in the fence, it's got to be fixed. It's got to be repaired. Then you have your anti-poaching units that literally protect those animals 24-7. So these animals are under 24-7 armed protection. Yeah. They have to be. Then there's your coloring which costs a lot of money because the rhino has to be darted and the collars either put on or replaced. And they can only be collared once they are fully grown. Otherwise, the babies grow so fast, it would actually you know, cause hassles with their legs. Yeah. Then there's the dehorning of rhinos, which there's a huge debate around that. Some people absolutely claim that it works. With others, we have found that because the poachers have to track these rhinos, they sometimes out of spite will kill the dehorned rhino or they will kill it for that tiny little bit of horn that's left on the base, you know? So, so, yeah, there's, there's two schools of thought on that. Um, Luckily we've made quite a bit of inroads in terms of um, technology where we have these artificial intelligence collars uh, that learns, learns the rhino's behavior. So if it, Suddenly behaves differently, the collar sends an alert to the um the base station. And, you know, the guys spend less time looking for the rhinos and more time protecting them. But still, it is astronomical. So yeah. You know, (laughs) game reserves cost you money. You do not make money out of them. It's it's a it's a labor of love.
1: Yes, and so, uh, and you—you running a, this adventure? We've only got four minutes till commercial break now. Um, but you run this adventure you've been doing, running across thirty uh, reserves over three months. You've been doing this. I guess it's you know, the personal challenge, but actually you've been doing it to raise money for a number of different organisations that help rhinos. It's so you, you, you're not affiliated just one, are you?
2: Correct. You know, luckily because I'm a free agent, so to speak. Um, I don't have a nonprofit organization. I don't believe we need another nonprofit organization. There's enough good people doing good work out there and I'd rather support them, you know? Um, And that also leaves me free to do other crazy adventures, so to speak. But um, yeah, so raising awareness, educating people along the way because we literally interviewed random strangers in towns where we had no game reserves to go through uh, about the knowledge in terms of firstly rhinos and secondly, the rhino poaching crisis that we're still facing. And we find that there's a lot of um, misinformation out there and a lot of people are not aware that we're still facing this this rhino poaching crisis, which is shocking, you know? We feel it should be elevated and escalated to a level where everybody in the entire world knows about this because the bottom line is we need funds. We need a lot of money to protect these animals and to ensure that, you know, one day our grandchildren and our great grandchildren and many future generations will have the pleasure of seeing a rhino with a horn in the wild the way it's meant to be. So, yeah, that's basically what we're doing raising awareness educating people and raising funds
1: and, and there's a there's a reason um i think you may have shared with me you know, why rhinos rather than say elephants or cheetahs or um you know a buffalo or whatever whatever why 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 the rhino
2: So your rhino literally, or we use the rhino as the poster child for conservation. Mm. And I've always maintained, and a lot of people in conservation feel exactly the same. If we cannot save the rhinos, what can we save? What is going to be next? Is it going to be our pangolin? Is it going to be our cheetahs? Is it going to be our leopards? Is it going to be lions? You know, is it going to be some rare plant? Because poaching is not just rhino horn, it's not just animals, it's also plant species, very rare specimens that occur in only specific parts of our country, you know. So if we cannot save rhinos, what can we save as a species? Who can we save, you know? And uh, we always say, if we can save the rhinos, we can save the people. Because people are coming, people come to South Africa to see the big five. They're Mm -hmm. not going to come here to see the big two or the big three. They want to see rhinos with horns, you know? They want to see beautiful big elephants. So... If we save the rhino, we basically save everything underneath it. And, you know, your rhinos, your elephants, your buffalo, they are all keystone species, which means that they have a significant impact on their environment around them. So if rhinos disappear, elephants disappear, buffalo disappear from Earth, that environment will actually change drastically forever, you know. And we're talking from the big animal, the rhino, The elephant, the buffalo, right down to the actual plants that grow in that area. That is how critical it is. So, yeah, we just use rhino as the poster child. And, of course, once you've had an up close and personal experience with a rhino, you will never go back. You're in the presence of magnificence. You're in the presence of a prehistoric animal that have roamed Earth for way more than what we've been around. So it is just so special and so amazing. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah, amazingly. Uh, well, we're going to get a commercial break again now. We haven't we haven't spoken about your three month journey, so we're going to do that after the break. We will get there, and we will talk about some of the highlights and the, some of the challenges and what you've learned uh, during that that journey too. And um, yeah, we'll we'll find out how you can help um, rhinos too if you want to help um, um, the this amazing work that uh, Sharon is, um, is 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 doing. So we be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. Do Please join us after the break.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and
2: easy.
0: You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper.
1: Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with the fabulous Sharon Jessup, and we're talking about running wild well for rhinos. And look, Sharon, tell us about this journey.
2: Wow that's like the first thing that comes to my mind, epic, epic journey. We've had tremendous highs. We've met the most amazing people. We've connected with the most amazing people. We've had some really, really lows, uh, very low where I hit the tar road at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we've literally been in ditches, uh, where we've had to be dug out by people it's, it's been an epic, epic adventure, you know. And um, thinking back now, I actually wouldn't change anything because, I mean, the journey has just been one of discovery. Firstly, learning so much more about conservation and really drilling down into the whole conservation community, you know, and um, community-owned game reserves, which I believe is the way to go to conserve and preserve all these beautiful green spaces, you know. Um, So, yes, we've literally covered three provinces. Um, We're about to visit our final two game reserves. Now, just bearing in mind that I don't just run to the gate, I run through the game Mm -hmm. reserves, Um, accompanied, obviously, by an armed ranger, and it's all pre- um arranged so just a disclaimer from from my side and also to protect the game reserves you know you you don't get to do this you don't you're not going to come to South Africa and run through a game reserve okay (laughs) 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 they don't as a rule do that (laughs) but um obviously we have to do something epic to to raise that awareness so for me this journey literally you, you, you can't go on an expedition like this and not be changed by it the lessons learned has been amazing like one of the biggest lessons that i've learned is that when it goes down it has to come back up because yep. i have climbed so many mountains as we said right in the beginning i've literally now summited to the height of everest four times over (laughs) run many kilometers um i've also learned that very few things in life actually kill you Mm. and that sometimes it's okay when things go wrong like it has i mean we lost our driver on day 33 not um expiring he just decided that he um the, the pace is too fast It's not working for him. And he left and went back to Port Elizabeth. So we were left without a driver. I had to make a plan, you know, Mm. things like that. Um, Ending up in a ditch because we followed Google Maps and it took us on some road that clearly does not exist anymore and have not seen any traffic other than goats and pigs and cattle and people on foot in many, many, many years. And um, again, I have been blown away by the goodness of people in South Africa, Yeah, how people have come to our aid, to our assistance. Um, and another thing that I've learned is that when you get tired, you don't quit. You keep going. Okay you have to learn to take a rest take a break but do not quit yep. because if your why is big enough is is important enough to you you will find if you can find 20 reasons why you should quit find 21 why you should keep going yeah the other thing that i've learned is that <laughs> your team your team is so important you cannot go very far in life alone. You need yeah. to surround yourself by the right people. And often I've been tired. I felt like just throwing in the towel and my team have picked me up and said, you know what? We haven't come this far to only come this far. We're going to finish this and we're going to finish this together. So your team is so incredibly important.
1: Yeah, And
2: then connection. Yeah. Connecting to yourself, because obviously I've spent many hours every single day alone and running, okay? So to connect with yourself, to be able to spend time with yourself, you need to learn to love yourself unconditionally, because you're going to have moments where you're not feeling great. You're going to have moments where you're really down and out. There's the highs, there's the lows. And we go through several of rows every single day, whether it's in running, uh, in business, in life, you know. The connections with people, so, so, so important. You know, we live in a day and age where it's very digital. These things, these mobile phones, everything is at your fingertips these days. We want fast food, fast information, fast this, fast everything. And there's certain things in life you cannot rush. And that is Connecting with people, taking time to appreciate the small things in life, whether it's a flower on the side of the road, or some little bug that you see that you haven't seen before. I mean, I saw (laughs) emerald-colored dung beetles. They are beautiful. Mm. Yes, they Mm, you know shovel dung around for a life. (laughs) That's what they do (laughs) with their lives. But what incredibly beautiful animals or little little bugs, and they're so important to the environment then obviously the places that we've seen the communities that we've been through the things that we've learned and i literally had a complete paradigm shift in terms of how conservation should be working and i'm convinced that unless we we involve our communities we partner with our communities our communities take ownership of the animals the land You know, and feel proud of the rhinos, the elephants, the lions, the buffalo, the not so cute little bush pigs, you know, unless they take ownership of those animals like they do of their goats, their herds of cattle, we're never going to win this race. We're never going to prevent extinction of animals. There's got to be something more. More people need to be benefiting out of tourism. And the other thing that I've learned that I'm absolutely convinced is that if we can get tourism in South Africa to run properly, okay, we can literally turn this country around. Now, as you know, we do face severe social economic issues in South Africa. We have very, very poor communities where obviously joblessness, unemployment is rife. And people, more people need to benefit from game reserves, from tourism, and we can do this. If we can run this tourism thing right, over the next two decades, we can literally create about 10 million jobs in South Africa. So it is so important that we enlist the help of, you know... The overseas people, you guys, to come yeah. here and experience this thing, this wildness, this beauty that we often take for granted in South Africa, you know, um, and to connect with nature, to connect with people, to connect with communities. And I'm not talking a cultural experience where it's put on, I'm talking really having a heart to heart conversation with another person, looking them in the eye finding out how they are finding out their hopes and dreams their aspirations and that is exactly what I experienced on this expedition which has been really special to me
1: and do you think I mean what I'm sort of I mean do you think then you know tourism and I think this is probably true for a lot of lot of things but do you think tourism is better served not not just with capitalism but with a, a you know combination of some capitalism but some you know collective ownership and you know it's actually you know some of the some of the premise behind communism actually was about you know having collectives and people people sharing and and um, creating you know produce in a community together and that that kind of thing and um um so do you think there's a there's a kind of a hybrid kind of approach that's required
2: Absolutely. Yes. I'm convinced about that. And you know, you, there's so many ways that you can involve more people in that with simple little projects like beekeeping. Mm -hmm. I mean, in the Eastern Cape, again, there's a beautiful um, Pabala game, game farm that, um, you know, does a beekeeping project with, with uh, the community where they give them beehives they bait the, beehive, the the beehives and then they buy the honey back from the, the community members and sell it. Brilliant. So simple things like that, you know, but I can carry on forever about these mm-hmm. things. It, 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 but we do need a fresh approach. We need a different approach. We need more ownership and we need a collective.
1: Fantastic. So t- tell us about how we can help uh, support Rhino's. How can people listening here to think, actually, I've been inspired by this. I'd like to, like to help. Um, what can they do?
2: Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, please follow us on Facebook and on Instagram, Run Wild for Rhinos. And on our Facebook group, there's a pinned post where people can make donations. And then also go out there on a mission to educate yourself. Learn about conservation, learn about rhinos, listen to the news, you know, find out about poaching. And if you feel this is something you can, can really sink your teeth in. We always need more benefactors. We need people that are prepared to invest in our green spaces and to help purchase land so we can have more rhinos. And with rhinos comes everything else, you know, the whole lock stock and barrel, the cheetahs, the lions, the leopards, the buffalo, the smaller antelope, the the other game, you know, it's it's just it's a beautiful thing so it's really something that you can get really stuck into and then you have your own little piece of africa that you can keep coming back to
1: yeah brilliant and 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 just very quickly what's next for you
2: so, next, we're looking at a rhino and reforestation project in Africa, but yeah. that is still very um, in the, the, the embryo stages. But yeah, we're looking at about 16 countries where we will be starting a reforestation project and um, obviously with rhino conservation. So, it will be our RR project, Rhinos and Reforestation. Love so, that. yeah, stay tuned for that. It's going to be exciting.
1: Fantastic. A final message you'd like to leave us with?
2: People, yes. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow it. Okay. implement it, launch even before you're ready, because if you don't, if you wait until you're ready, you'll never do it. If there's something that you're passionate about, follow that dream, go climb that mountain, go run that race, start the business, you know, write the book. Do whatever you want to. If you feel it in your heart, if you have a passion, if you have a purpose, please execute it. Don't wait for tomorrow. There might not be a tomorrow.
1: Fantastic. Absolutely. We only have one life, don't we, as far as we know anyway. Um,
0: yes. Uh, yeah.
1: So might as well use it well. And uh, and I think that's a really, really great way to end. And uh, and I think with it being, you know, for some of us, we're going to be celebrating Christmas next week and, uh, and then it's a new year and And a great way just to go away and reflect on this and think, actually, um, you know what is my dream? Um, am I pursuing my dream? um how am I going to make next year count? How am I going to contribute to a better world um, as you are doing, you know, um so amazingly with uh, with rhinos through your work? So been wonderful talking to you. Um, I wish you all the very best. Uh, and with the next challenge with rhinos and reforestation hopefully we we'll get to talk again because that would be um would be brilliant to have you on again and uh, if you want to support rhinos you know do also visit SharonJessup.co.za find out more about um what Sharon's um, was doing with um running wild for rhinos and of course um, um check out her Facebook and also her Instagram and next week is Christmas so I'm going to be having a Christmas uh, off I think I think the station may be closed so we're gonna be repeating a show uh, next week which will be uh with Libby Wagner Libby's um a, a great friend of mine she's part of a community that I, I I run uh she's an amazing um poet as well and leadership um expert and uh she was talking a few weeks ago with me about her journey across America to find out what well, she went took a camper van for a few weeks on her own to find out what what people were really like um rather than um hearing all of the, d- the division that you hear through the, the media, through politicians, et cetera. And uh, she discovered that people are really actually very nice, just like you, and actually and people are kind. And so we're, we're going to repeat that show next week. Uh, and then I shall be back with you again in the new year. And looking forward to a fantastic 2023. We've got more great guests lined up. Um, and But I've really, um, I hope you have a, a, a fantastic end of the year. Uh, make 2023 your best year yet. Um, follow your dreams, as Sharon has said and uh, and hopefully you get some inspiration from this show to help you. Um, my name is Chris Cooper. Um, it's chris at, chris, uh, chris at chriscooper.co.uk if you've got any thoughts and suggestions for the show uh, and uh, wish you all uh, the very best um, for uh, our festive time. If you celebrate it, if not, just go and celebrate something else. Take care.
0: We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show.